0: Welcome to the Cream of the Crop podcast. Today we have Roberta Anderson from Global Gap. Hello, Roberta, how are you?
1: Hi, Bristol. I'm doing well, how are you? Good, so
0: excited to have you today. We're delighted to be a part of this. Thank you for inviting us. Can you tell our listeners, um, we know that you work at Global Gap and you lead the North America strategy and operations, um, but that sounds like a big title. So tell us what you do there and maybe how you even got to end up at Global Gap.
1: Sure. So, um, I work for a global gap as a, we'll talk about global gap a bit more later, but it's a, a global organization. My focus is USA and Canada. And, uh, so we have a small but mighty team here, uh, that really, uh, serves the needs of buyers and sellers, farmers and other uh, stakeholders in, uh, good agricultural practices. Um, And I have been working in the area of standards and certification for a long time. Um, I've been doing it since 2004. And I started with Global Gap specifically uh, in 2014. So I've, I've got some time working with this fantastic organization uh, on supporting good agricultural practices through standards and certification.
0: That sounds like a very interesting job, and I'm excited to kind of unpack um, what Global Gap is as well. But I did want to dive into a little bit more of like, what is your day-to-day job look like? Because I think when I know when I hear like certifications, you know, it sounds sometimes people are like, wait, hold on. What does that mean?
1: <laughs> so I'm sure that your job is enjoyable. What is a, a typical day look like? You know, the best parts, the best days are the ones where we actually get to work with uh, the farmers who are the ones that we get to serve. Um, they're, they're, they're the reason that we exist. Uh, so uh, we spend a lot of time working directly with farmers on questions about uh, applying good agricultural practices, about the process of certification, um, sp- setting up training, setting up informational webinars, figuring out what it is that they're having challenges with, with, um, uh, are they having too many audits? The answer is usually yes. What can we do to streamline those? Um, you know, and then, and then we take, and then we also work on, um, with the other folks in the supply chain, like the, whether it's importers or, or, um, packers and distributors, and of course, retailers and food service operators, um, to learn about what their needs are. Um, and we spend time to reconcile that and, and constantly on the, on the other side of it, inside the organization, we're constantly working to improve the standards, improve, improve the, um, IT infrastructure that we have to do, to deliver on those, um, standards and formulate a relationship with other supporting organizations so that we can uh, together serve um, this supply chain better to ensure good practices and, you know, recognize those that are, are using those good practices.
0: So it sounds like there's definitely more to your job than auditing. <laughs>
1: You know, that's a good point. Yes, in fact, Global Gap doesn't do the auditing at all. Global Gap um, does the development of the standards and it does the development of the rules for which, you know, um, for example, what an auditor's qualifications would look like and what the certification body that manages those auditors needs to do and um, how frequently a farm is certified and all all the, you know, the, the criteria that the farm has to meet, but also the rules of how certification uh, gets uh, done. So, and then we actually um, manage that and intentionally are separate from those that are making the certification decision because that's an added credibility layer.
0: What I'm hearing is you guys are definitely busy because there's so much behind (laughs) the scenes that has to get done for that. Um, And I appreciate the clarity because I think uh, the first time someone sees the word global gap, they just associate that straight to auditing, right? Mm Because when you're in, in audit, especially if you're a producer, you're like, oh, these are the auditors, which is not the case for you guys. You guys are the ones that are writing that standard you're the back end work the relationship building all of that I wanted to exactly yeah I wanted to extract a sentence you said because I just love it Um, and you said that you help formulate relationships to better serve the supply chain I really relate with that sentence I think that here at Highland we have a very similar um, process we want to formulate relationships with all aspects of the supply chain but how does Global Gap do that like
1: what does that look like for you guys that's a great question. There are a lot of different possible avenues for different kinds of companies to have a formal or even informal relationship. So I'll just say, I'll talk about the more informal to start with because um, anybody and everybody has an opportunity to weigh in on the standards, for example, and we have a very um, uh, uh, intentional, deliberate and long process for seeking uh, input about standards development. For example, right now, We are in the process of um, developing our next version, which would be version six of our um, main standard, which is called Integrated Farm Assurance, the one most folks are familiar with. And um, we're soliciting opinions and uh, through uh, online feedback, through um, what we call world consultation tour sessions. Anyone can participate in these and make comments about itty bitty details in the standard or big picture questions and issues, and there's a process for responding to all of that. So that that's um, one way that Global Gap really engages broadly. And we also work really um, diligently to cultivate and maintain relationships with organizations that share in our, you know, our mission. Um, to, you know, uh, to promote the global adoption of safe and socially and environmentally responsible farming practices. Is that your mission? It is our mission. That's what we're trying to do and that we're doing it by providing, we're trying to provide the most um, cost-effective and value-adding assurance solutions like certification. Um, So... uh, a way that Highland would be familiar with is through the membership program that you're involved in. So one of the things that I think is special about Global Gap is it's built on this robust membership program, uh, which has um, uh, people that are, you know, growing and selling product and people that are buying product and also those kinds of supporting organizations such as yours that are supporting that supply chain. And those folks um, will become members of Global Gap and have additional opportunities to shape standards, shape the governance of the organization, um, uh, 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 share with us in promoting um, these concepts, uh, testing new products uh, and services, Um, so there there are a lot of different ways that members work with us, but it, it, it's a group and it also allows us, it allows us to work together to be a voice, Mm -hmm. um, in support as a a unified, more unified voice in support of good agricultural practices, which can be really, really important for the industry. Um, and and in large part, it's special that we have this, um, a strong focus on balancing the supply side and the, the buyer side. So it's very important to us that we are representing the farmers and the retailers and that that's balanced out with intention yes. and, and how our governance is set up. Yeah.
0: So there's definitely like a balancing act that has to be had there to keep both sides of yeah. the industry, you know, pleased and understanding the standard being accepted. I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, you had mentioned that anyone can comment on the standards. I really want to pull that out because most of our listeners are grower, shippers, packers, fresh produce. That's pretty much who listens to our podcast. Um, and if you're not one of those people and you're listening, we're excited to have you. But <laughs> most of our audience is geared towards those groups of people. Um, I don't think that everyone knows that they have direct access to comment on a standard. So how would they do that?
1: Um, that's a great question. There is there are multiple ways, but going onto our website globalgap.org, you'll see information about our World Consultation Tour, um, and and you and that's what we're calling this like gathering of information at this time. Um, I also encourage them in, in, instead of going to a website and try to navigate it, just contact one of us. So. You know, we we we're a global organization, but the folks that are here in the United States, uh, there are, are um, about four of us that are working very actively with U.S. stakeholders and Canadian stakeholders all day. You know, so just contact us, and we'll help you find. The information that is most relevant to you, which parts of the standards might be relevant to you, which you know if they're going to be um, upcoming meetings to discuss parts of them. There are special focus groups on certain topics like sustainability. We just launched a new one about social responsibility and how our social responsibility tools apply specifically in this market. And we're looking for participants in that. I mean, they they'd be surprised. You could have a pretty significant impact on 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 a global standard just you know if you if you are are willing to take a the time to take a look at it and reach out to us. And I think that's something that we miss a lot of
0: times. We get so bogged down in the fact that we have to comply with these standards and we forget that we have a voice in developing that standard. And, and you know, how do I do that? So I'm really glad that you clarified and shared that with us because I'm sure that there are several customers that we have at Highland that would be more than willing to to share their opinions on um, different parts of that standard with you guys. So it, it's very encouraging to hear. Um, the next question I'm going to ask you just, it just popped in my head and it's a question that I get a lot and I'm sure that you get it a lot, but why are standards ever so changing? And we do know, like obviously times change and things enhance and standards have to be updated and reformed, but could you shed a little light into why there are these new revisions happening very often?
1: Why do standard revisions happen? There are lots of reasons. Um, so which 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 results in in more changes than anyone would be happy you know the 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 scary part is that the truth is they're always I mean we never stop working on the standards. there's this moment where you publish a new standard we're just we've already started working on the next version that's just how it is because and it's for the good re- the most important reason is that we're getting feedback yeah. you know we're getting feedback from uh, we're either getting feedback directly through these types of con- uh, conversations with um, uh, you know, uh, uh, growers, especially if they're, they're the ones that are, um, you know, most affected by the standards or, or retailers if the standards aren't meeting their evolving needs. Um, and, um, we are, uh, also getting feedback, uh, because we have something called, um, an integrity program, which is the nuts and bolts inside that makes, uh, that basically is auditing we're auditing the auditors essentially, because oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're, we're checking to make sure that the certification bodies are applying things um the same way as best as possible um and that the auditors are applying the, the standards the same way and then we get feedback if we see something that is is not being not consistent that means there's something we need to pay attention to right like why is that not consistent what is what is, um, what needs to be updated to be more clear? And, and as you can imagine, um, languages, I mean, we have, we work all over the world. We have so many different languages to work with and we're fortunate here in in the U S and in and much of Canada that the English is our, our, you know, first language, uh, for many of the people, you know, that are working with the standard because, um, uh, and also Spanish uh, with this English is the language of the organization, the first language that the standards of publishing and Spanish is one of the, it may be the second Spanish and German are very common too. So, and then, and there's so many others. So, you know, there uh, translation is really critical. And so, Getting even just getting the words right, you know, for the first draft, the first version is is um, is important.
0: Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, we're a software company that helps growers be compliant. Uh, basically, three hundred sixty five days a year, if they use the software, it's really just providing these tools for them to help with this regulatory uh, compliance level. But with that being said, we started here in Mulberry, Florida, and we started in the strawberry industry. And, you know, it was very small at first. We were just getting our feet wet and our software was in English. And the more that we grew, we were like, oh, my gosh everywhere around us needs Spanish. So like now what? And so we went on this translating endeavor and realized that translation was so much harder than I think anyone gives it credit for because there's so many aspects, like especially in ag, when you're talking about translating chemical names, you know, chemicals that they apply on the farms in English that you can't say. Can you imagine trying to translate them to another language? So um, we've just absolutely we've just actually finalized our uh, language translation and we'll be able to eventually have over 70 languages on our software. But I had no idea what type of project that was. I'm like, just
1: make it in Spanish. <laughs> it was not that easy. So um, I was going to say it can be important within a single farm, too, because yeah. you can have people that are working with different languages in a, in a farming operation. And, and they may, um, do better with one that, you know, one language than another really and may help to get the, you know, idea across. But one thing that's important, um, uh, that one structure, another structure that global gap has in place to engage, um, other stakeholders is something called our national technical working group um and um highland would be i'm sure a great candidate to participate in this um it is a um it, it is the group that helps to be the us it helps to be the lens through which we interpret the standard in the united states specifically okay so um what that means is you know every country has its own legal and regulatory environment to consider and sometimes that legal and regulatory environment has uh, intersects with the standard right so so the national the, this working group um its primary job is to go through the standard and um make cl- make like clarifications or explanations about where this may uh, a thing, uh any individual point might overlap or or it cross or be affected by um, regulation and legislation so that we under, so that it's not operating in a bubble, right? That the, the, the standard makes sense in the context of the U S system. That's,
0: right? Yeah. And I think that's very proactive for you guys to do.
1: It's a neat, it's a, it's an intensive process and, um, you don't have to be a member to participate any, um, it, 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 we don't, I mean, we want people that are knowledgeable about agriculture obviously and or at least uh, involved in the supply chain in some way
0: so is it that's like an application process
1: yeah you know what yeah it's just a, it's a pretty quick sign up process as well and um it's not a big uh uh, uh list right now in terms of time um you and there are subcommittees that people can participate on if there's certain topics they really are interested in um you know um Water is obviously a popular, uh, important topic at all times. Um, they may be focusing on certain aspects of the standard. Um, they're the ones that are hosting actually this um, social compliance, social responsibility. Um, they're making it like a subcommittee uh, to discuss oh, wow. our tools for social compliance. So um, and there are a lot of places to hook in there. If you really want to like focus on the uh, U.S. Application of mm-hmm. the standards that makes a and lot of sense. We consult our national technical. W- it's a powerhouse group. It's a great group of of uh, the industry folks, and they um, they provide very valuable feedback to not just North America, but straight to our um, to headquarters. Um, about the standards. Yeah, I'll
0: definitely have to share that with our team here at Highland because I think that that would be very beneficial for someone in our position to be on considering we work with so many different types of supply chains and types of producers and packers and chippers and processors and all of the above that we, yes. we do see a lot. Um, in our day that goes by, um, which kind of leads me into the next thing I did want to talk about, and I know we've touched on it briefly, but Highland has recently become members of Global Gap. Like you shared, this is a membership program, um, and we decided to do that. We we want to invest in what Global Gap is doing. We believe in your mission as well. Um, what we we've kind of talked about how your company works in the sake of members. But you mentioned that there were some additional opportunities for members, and I'm thinking that some listeners may want to be members of Global Gap. So what are those additional benefits that a member may receive?
1: Um, So uh, some of it has to do with being identified with the organization so a co-promotional opportunity. Um, we are actually, um, adding a whole new list of, um, uh, free trainings that'll be available to, um, members only, uh, without, you know, with, um, without an additional cost, uh, trainings, webinars, um, members have opportunities to partner with us on delivering uh, trainings and webinars. Um, uh, we work with members to more intensively, I would say on, on standards update, uh, conversation. So if you want to, it, it gives you a, 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 place from which you have a, a more influence because the, as a membership driven organization, and I know this is true, they, uh, they, we will, we will recognize the input of a member and uh, in a much in a very intentional way. You know, we take that membership information very seriously. This, those that are either that are actually buying and selling products have the opportunity to um, apply to be on our actual formal technical committees at the global level. Um, we're always trying to recruit and also board members. And we're um, I'm actually trying to grow the membership in the United States and Canada um, because that will give us more voice at the global level. Um, and we have some great, we've had folks from, um, yeah, you know, uh, a variety of growers participate. Um, and we, we have some, we have good people, uh, already on there, but I'm always wanting to, to grow that because there is a lot for us to share. And, um, I think that the membership model is something that's not as common here when we have uh, it's not as well known um, uh, of other providers of food safety certification sustainability certification so I don't think that it's given a, it has been a um, as well understood in this market, so we're we are actively working to sort of relaunch the membership aimed for September, um, and do some promotion around it, so that it's it's uh, meeting the needs of our stakeholders here and really giving them an opportunity to. Have their voice heard and amplified. Yeah, let's say.
0: that's probably the key—is the not just listening. Like you don't just listen to these stakeholders; you're like actually taking what they're doing, amplifying that, and then putting it into practice. It sounds like Global Gap is definitely one of those set apart companies for me. Uh, it's not often, that, like you just said, in this industry that you have a membership-driven company of this stature. So, um, this is really beneficial, I think, for listeners and for myself. I, I'm learning a lot as you're talking. Um, just just some clarity on those technical committee and board members. Did you say that anyone that um,
1: buys or grows produce is that what you said? Yeah, those that are actually in the supply chain. Okay. Um, we um, and unfortunately that does exclude associate members like Highlands. Gotcha. So, and the, the rationale for that is is that we want the industry that's actually affected that directly by the the, the standard you know, to be the governing, the governance of the organization. They make up the advisory board and we actually have a mandate. It has to be 50%, 50%. So we always have on the technical committees and on the board itself, it has to be half like essentially retailers and half farmers, you know, our farming organizations. Um, uh, and you know, we, you can slice and dice. There are a lot of different, um, Supply chain members that can fit into those, you know, split into those two categories. But either they're, you know, representing what's happening on the farm or they're representing the buying side of the equation, you know. Which
0: is really the big two players, you know. (laughs) If you don't have either of those, we're not going to have
1: a supply chain. And it's not to say we exclude, uh, we still, you know, take very seriously the input of um, associate members, which are things like the certification bodies can become members, consulting companies, lots of those folks, IT companies that provide services. Those are some big categories of associate members, a- acad- academia, um, you know, there, there are a number, there are other ways for them to plug in. But when it comes to actual, like, governance, we we have it. Uh, very strictly um, half and half farm, farm, farm interest and buying interest.
0: I certainly admire that. And I think that um, we're we're starting to wrap up here, but I think that there's so much to be said about a company that operates this way. Um, So for anyone that was listening and myself, like just having this transparency into global gap and how you guys operate really just makes me appreciate what you do even more, not only your mission statement, but how you execute that um, is so important. And I think that every company in produce, Wants to have this, right? We want to have this um, direct supply chain input. We want to know are we working for a cause, right? If you don't have the input from those growers or from the retailers, how how do you know that what you're doing is right? <laughs> so it's certainly impactful and I definitely can see the waves of what you guys are doing. Um, today, we were actually on a call with some Global Gap people here at Highland in Central America. And I was like, this is just so cool to be able to talk to everyone that has the same mindset and the same attitude about a safe food supply all over the world, which is what you guys are doing. So I'm very appreciative of your time today. Um, was there anything else you wanted to
1: add while we while we had you? Yeah, I guess I just want to say, you know, it it, it, seem, it may seem like large and untouched, you know, hard to hard to touch and reach out to uh, a big, a seemingly big global organization, but in reality, it's all just people we chat all the time on our, as we, a lot of us do on our computers at this point, you know, and and. Um, and we want' it's, most importantly, we want folks to know that that there are advocates that are here in North America. I mean, I imagine your podcast probably goes to, folks elsewhere too. And there are also people that are working specifically with Latin America and other, you know, other areas that North America is, um, has a staff of people that are focused on, you know, making this applicable to you and, and making sure that what we're developing fits here. And it doesn't always, it's not always perfect, you know, it takes time, but, um, but I want them to reach out to us. And, and so North America, um, North America, at is the easiest way probably because then, you know, we can just make sure the right person gets that,
0: that email. Did you say North America dot global or just North
1: America at global okay, Gotcha. Just mm-hmm. is an email, you know, um, uh, so don't, don't hesitate to reach out and we may end up, I mean, the question may be better answered by a certification body. Um, that can do the audits, and we can help you connect with one of those that fits your needs and or or somebody else but you know don't feel don't feel don't hesitate to just reach out out to us directly
0: well thank you so much roberta and i did want to kind of sum it up in one little phrase that i just jotted down while you were talking and if it was it's this if we want change we need to be the change so i think that if if we're wanting to see change in these certifications then let's go straight to the source and you sound like you guys are ready, willing and able to to meet people where they're at and get their input. So I'm thankful for you guys. I'm so glad you had time to hop on today and chat for just a little bit.
1: And we're thankful for you as members. So thank you for including us in this and we will continue our conversation. Awesome. Thanks, Roberta. Talk to you soon.